Hey everybody, welcome to episode 46 of Making It. I'm Bob Baggett, here with Jimmy Duresta. Hey everybody. And David Picciuto. How you doing? Pretty good, how are you? <laughs> Very good. How's everybody? Awesome. We're having back. a good time. Yeah. We just uh, spent way too long trying to get the recording started, but now we're rolling. We should end on a clap since we started on one before the cameras rolled. <laughs> <laughs> we did a clap to sync everything, and it didn't yeah, work at all. And it didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> Time yeah. delay. So, uh, what are you guys up to? What are you working on? Uh, this week, uh, well, a few days ago, I took. I was inspired by Jimmy, and I took a bookbinding class. Oh, right on! How's that? At a, yeah, at a local art store. Uh, it was kind of a beginner's bookbinding where it wasn't uh, it wasn't a hard cover, so we did like two soft covers. We did like um, one was like an accordion style, and then the other one was a stitched, and it was really fun. There's going to be an advanced class coming up. I think I'm going to mm-hmm. take it, and it I, I re- it was really fun, and I really want to do more classes at the at the art center. So I'm going to definitely do that. There's Can I ask? Sculpt- was yeah. the book was the bookbinding teacher very uptight? Funny, she was, <laughs> but be, because the reason why is because there was in this, a good way, in a good way. No, there was this other dude in the class. Hopefully, nobody else listens because there's only <laughs> one other dude. The rest is all females. So, if anybody listens, they're gonna know exactly who I'm talking about. But this person had done this before, and so he was correcting her, or he would be like, "Hmm." That's not how I would expect to do this. And oh, it was just I was like, oh, come on, guys. Live trolling. Have, that's what that yeah, is. Yeah, live trolling. We're just trying to have fun. But it was fun. And so I want to do more things. And I've um, this other person in the class uh, was asking what I do. And we were talking about it. And she was like, you know, they have sculpting classes at the art museum. You should check that out. They also have welding classes there. There's also welding classes at the local community college. You should check that out. So uh, now I... I, I was going through this this list of potential classes that I could take, and I'm I'm really excited. So I'm going to definitely do more expansion and more learning. And then while I was there, the instructor, I did not even know about this. She manages this shop in town. It's called Scrap for Art, and basically, like all these like different contractors and different dealers, they just give this place they donate their scraps or their samples so there's like carpet samples there's metal samples there's Mm -hmm. ceramic samples in new york we have uh, materials for the arts it's exactly the same thing yeah it's probably like same same thing it's all it's a Mm non-for-profit organization and i went there today and i i got a whole bag of leather i've never worked with leather i saw that i'm gonna do some leather working on my on my uh laser machine so it was awesome it's like this little hidden gem that i didn't know about so Going to that that class was really beneficial to me. So besides that, I'm working on some videos for the laser engraver. Uh, they are for Rockler, and they will be out in a couple weeks. And that's it. That's that's me. Right on. Going to classes is great because it just gets something jump started that you've had a craving for. Yeah, that's that's one thing. I, I I used to take a lot more classes. I haven't in a while, but when I I teach at the School of Visual Arts, and I have the opportunity to take classes for free. And the city, New York City, the school itself is pretty expensive. So I can get like six, seven hundred dollar classes. I can take them for free. Mm. And the classes are typically anywhere between like eight and 12 sessions. And I've done a lot of them in the past. And it's really great to kind of jump, jump start anything you're curious about. Uh, obviously, I mean, it's easy for me to take them because I don't have to pay for them. But in some of the smaller community colleges, even if you just have the access to some of these tools, it's enough to get you going. 
you know. Yeah. And the reason I ask about the bookbinding uh, teachers because I know a few bookbinding people, and they're they're the worst than the axe nerds. There's like a certain tradition, <laughs> there's a certain methodology, and if you don't follow it precisely, your book's going to explode. You know, they, they panic and. <laughs> <laughs> the pages are gonna fall out. It's gonna be bad. You know, the worst thing that'll happen will just like hit the ground. You pick it up and stick it back in your book. Well, but, see, I know I also know someone who's a professional bookbinder as well, and she's super sweet and super patient. <laughs> so total opposite <laughs> of that. So. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I just I kid around. So I, I get a lot of like uh, I get a lot of critical comments on some of the. I was getting a lot of critical comments on one of my bookbinding videos until I said this is a shortcut that I developed, and I know it's not the traditional way. So I stopped getting those comments as often uh, when I changed the description. Because they're just like, hey, this is how I make a book. And everyone's like, that's not how you make a book. It's wrong. So, <laughs> But then eventually I've, I've, I've learned the right way and I've practiced that more often now than not. Just because it is kind of, it is cool to know the right way, but it's also cool to play around outside the lines like I love to do. But what have I been working on? I just uh, posted a picture on Twitter and Instagram of uh, keychains I'm making. So I keep getting a lot of requests for keychains of some kind of small, like little this or that for uh, kind of like gift items or whatever. And so I experimented very similar in, in vain to my belt buckle making video from a couple of years ago. I casted out of white tin zinc metal these little keychains. And so that video is coming up this week. I worked on that today and it's uh, about 80% edited. And that's going to be a voiceover video. And I just this weekend, if anybody's been following me on Snapchat, I got an emergency job to build five bars, three back bars, and a, a walkthrough door for like a phony VIP section in a in a big party that we set up yesterday. I got the job literally Friday afternoon, worked <laughs> Saturday, Sunday, all day Saturday, Sunday with Willie, and we installed yesterday morning, and that was like done, kaput. So that was fun. It's always fun to sometimes be put under the gun like that. So I did that, and um, so so after that stressful, hardworking weekend, it was nice to just kick back and play with this video, take my time in this video. So I'm doing that, and uh, ice picks are done. I finished them last week. I just uh, I was waiting on packaging, so now I'm going to deliver them to my guy who's going to mail them out. So by by this time, when this airs, they will probably begin to be going in the mail. And that's, and that's it. And I just thought of a really good video idea for Core 77, which I'm going to make over the weekend. I don't know if anybody follows me and uh, uh, like I talk about him a few times and we've kind of connected on a, on a friendship level in the last couple of weeks. So it's really fun. And he inspired my next video. I talk about him, Mr. Pete. He's the old machinist from Illinois. And he just did a little shop tour video, which inspired my next video for Core. I'm going to make a drawer that goes under my lathe. I can organize all my tooling in. Mm -hmm. I lay it in the shop, so I'm going to do that. So that just came to me a few hours ago, so I'll start working on that probably tonight. So Sweet. that's it. A lot awesome. to do. Yeah, sounds like it. Um, let's see. I put out my giant lightsaber video today. Been sitting on that one for a couple of weeks, and we ended up uh, – so there's a lightsaber fight in it, a duel. My <laughs> wife and I have a duel. They, and, weren't, they um, weren't cordless, were they? No, no, they're not cordless. Yeah, you can't we carry can. them around with you into battle. <laughs> no, probably not. Not very efficient weapons. Um, but so we ended up filming part of that last week and then we had to go back out and get my buddy, um, who's, he's a videographer and he has a drone. And so a couple of the shots are actually from his drone. So Sunday night we went out and filmed extra shots from the drone and then I had to edit those in and get the video up yesterday. So it's kind of last minute, you know, working on that one. Do you know your neighbors? I do. <laughs> okay. I do. But we know them all. Well, yeah, we know all of them. But see, our kids are crazy enough that 
we're the loud house anyway. Uh, and um, so, you know, they don't they don't think too much that we're crazy. But the funny thing is, we were out there filming. We were trying to get the drone shots done because it's kind of a loud thing. You know, it's out there just making this noise. So we were trying to get them done before like 8 o'clock so that we wouldn't bother anybody. And um, so we're out in the yard. The kids are inside watching a movie. We're out in the yard having this lightsaber battle. There's a drone which has lights on it, you know, and it's flying around over us and everything. And uh, the neighbors right to the next of us come driving up with guests from out of town, <laughs> like a whole other family. And they all got out of the car and just stood there in the front yard just watching us. And finally we yelled to them and they came over and they thought it was awesome and we ended up I talking. thought you were going to say they pulled out their lightsabers and it was on. <laughs> Super battle. <laughs> no, it was really funny though. And they're good sports about everything. And so, yeah, we had, we had fun. But so I've, I've been kind of last minute working on that to get that done um, and up and still working on the arcade machine, but uh, I've kind of come to the realization that it's going to take longer than I thought to get the video portion of it. Like even though the build is almost complete physically getting the video cut down to something that's worth watching, you know, by people mm-hmm. is going to take a little extra time. So I'm having to come up with a couple of small projects to put in between so that we can work on the video, you know, and get it all. And we're trying to like do the plans and the video, multiple videos all, so I can have it all done at one time and just release it all and everybody. Can are you going to do a, a series or are you going to do two or three or one? I think it'll, it'll have to be at least three, maybe four. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's a combination of like, there'll probably be two, one or two that are the cabinet build. And then one that's like the painting and the graphics and the mm-hmm. kind of finished trim work, all that stuff. And that's then cool. one that's all the electronics and installation and getting all that working. Something that's a like good, that. Those sound like good breakpoints. Yeah, I mean, I, I want each one to have its own value, you know. And if somebody is interested in part of it, but not all of it, they can just watch the part that they care about. And then I may do like yeah, a smart a single wrap up video that's kind of a an overview of the entire process. Oh yeah, you know, so I like that. If somebody wants to just jump in and kind of get a bird's eye view of the whole thing, because it it is turning out to be pretty big so (laughs) sweet and it's in my way it's taking up my shop while i'm trying to do these other small projects i'm like having to you know like scoot around it and stuff and make sure that the camera you should do a wrap-up wrap-up then put it outside and blow it up yeah that's true but (laughs) (laughs) that didn't get the laugh i was hoping for well i don't want to blow it up Frank Howarth has a series of videos where he's building a cnc machine Mm -hmm. and I really like how he has done it so far where it's like the the first piece was built in the base and if that's all you cared about. You got to see how that was done. And the second one was the assembly. And then, so I, I'm glad that you're not just like, this is a break point and we'll, we'll move on. You're going to make each one kind of live on its own. Yeah. I think that's the only way it'll be valuable, you know? Mm. Totally. Mm-hmm. I mean, because um, I can imagine that some people are not going to be interested in the entire process, but some people will be, so. We're trying to figure out the you know the guy that I've talked about that's helping me edit now and stuff. Um, we're working real closely to try to make the projects start to finish before the filming to plan ahead what they're going to be and how they're going to look and what they're going to do and and with this one integrating a plan like a physical plan that I can sell of the machine that goes into how the videos are made and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. you know it's kind of big. So anyway, I'm working on that in the background. Trying to do some other projects in the foreground so that I can have content. And yeah, that's about it. Cool. So we got some uh, topics that are kind of left over that we have you know, kind of gone. Like we've talked about some questions that people have sent in. And there's some really good ones. And I just don't want to skip over these. So 
Um, I pulled out three of them. I thought we could kind of go through. Uh, one's from our buddy Andrew Setters, who has given us a bunch of really good questions. Um, it's now that you get to do whatever you want in the shop, how do you stay focused and how do you not get burnout? Hmm. Well, well, one, I get to do whatever I want, so <laughs> there's no reason for me to burn out, right? You know, I find that Maybe. there's definitely an ebb and flow with me. Like, I put out, like, a couple of really videos that I'm really proud of. Like, I just put out the Black Hatchet video, and, uh, or I should say it's an axe. I know the hatchet's a small one, axe is a big one, the, the fireman's axe. I just put that out. And I, between that and the, the few previous ones, I feel really exhausted. Like, right now, I feel like I'm just going to put out a couple of small videos. Uh, that's how I feel. But something might come in out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, uh, the best thing about working for yourself is just the inspiration can come at any moment, and you got to roll with it. I mean, I know that's how I am. So I'm very spontaneous. Like one minute, I won't have any plans for the next twenty hours, and then all of a sudden, I'm totally in depth in like a video that I'm super charged about. So the the idea of just kind of keeping a loose, open mind is is really important. About is really good for me. The the less stressful jobs I get, but I can come compartmentalize. Like when this job came in Friday and I said, okay, I just got to hunker down everything that I wanted to do upstate over the weekend probably is going to have to wait. Like working on my old car and stuff. I haven't had a chance because when an opportunity for money comes in, that's good money. And I know it's going to be fairly easy for me aside from being time consuming. So I just jump into that. So it's uh, you know, it's like, an, you really just got to take it, take it as it comes. Somebody just asked me a couple of days ago, like, what's your next project? And I didn't know. I was like, you know what? I'm not really sure. And I got this weird look from them, kind of like, how are you still able to put food on the table if you don't even know what your next project is? <laughs> yeah. <But> I like <laughs> to keep crazy. it loose. Like, there's, I mean, there's 20 projects that I want to do. I just don't know which one my next one is. And so it's, it's whatever one inspires me the most or... Whichever one fills a commitment that I already have. Yeah. I'm finding that is kind of a weird thing for me where I I have commitments that I have to fulfill to put food on the table, right? And they're usually pretty loose, um, but they're still commitments. And so, and then I'm also running into the not being burnt out, but being out of time. You know, where I want to like, I want to make this and this and this and this, but there's just not enough time for me to make all those because they take too long. And I've, I've got like kind of a self-imposed video schedule. And so there's this thing where there's stuff I have to do. There's stuff that I want to do. That's going to take longer than the amount of time that I have to put out content. And so I have to come up with other things that are, that are not fulfilling a commitment, but they're also not things that I really, really want to do, but I have to do them to have content in the meantime. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a weird, so I'm not getting burnt out, but I am feeling the kind of weight of, of, uh, like I have to produce something, even if it's not the thing that I'm really like really jazzed about, like the arcade, yeah. I, I would love to just be able to focus on that, do that, but there's no way I could get that done on my schedule. So there's been I mean, a few times where I just check out, you know, you get, yeah. I mean, we've, I think we've all noticed among all of us where we just decide to just take couple of weeks off just because we need to catch up you know even if it's just personal stuff and taking care of you know going to the doctor all these type of things that just suck up time and you know you try and you try and nail down a video schedule i've been pretty good with every sunday but you know i could foresee in the not too distant future i need to take a break from that just because there's so many things that are backing up yeah i'm i'm feeling like i'm probably gonna have to 
take a at some point take a little mini vacation on my schedule as well. I think how I avoid burnout is I'm always trying to do something a little bit different or learn something new. So I got some videos coming out, you know, over the next couple months that aren't even don't even have any woodworking in them. You know, I was talking to you guys earlier, like I'm working on on the sculpting sculpture oh, yeah. video and yeah. and then um having doing that bookbinding class, I got a couple ideas to, you know, maybe some sort of like wood hardcover book. And so I, I want to use these other things to just keep the, the creativity going and the, the juices flowing. So I'm not doing this. Yeah. Avoid doing the same thing over and over and over again. And I, yeah, I honestly, yeah, I mean, I I'm thinking in terms of burnout, I just get burnt out from life, not necessarily from the shop. And what burns me out is I just, I try and keep a notebook of a list of things. We've talked about this, but the idea is like, every time I look at the book, I'm like, Oh, I forgot that. Oh, I forgot that. Oh, I forgot that. You know, that's kind of where I start to get burned out is where like yesterday I had to go bring packages to FedEx. I hate doing that. It's just, it's like in the middle of everything, you got to like, you hear the brake screech and you got to go fill out a FedEx slip and go wait online. And, you know, David helps me with that sometimes, but David was busy with other stuff. I didn't want to take him off of that. And so I went over and I had to go to FedEx and, you know, that stuff is just annoying. Sometimes I use that, that post office run for me as like, this is my break. I'm going to yeah, take a break and now totally. I'm going to go to the post office. Maybe I'll pick up a bite to eat. You yeah, know, and- that's exactly right. Once a year, because I never leave the shop, uh, but when I do, I have to kind of combine a couple of tasks. It's totally true. Hmm. Yep. Well, the other part of that is how do you, st- the part of that question is how do you stay focused? So yeah. with, you know, with those things, those like necessary evils of, you know, going to the doctor, going to FedEx, stuff like that. How do you stay on task when you do have things that you have? I, for me personally, I just, it's just as long as knowing, as long as I know that I have a deadline to meet and I have a, I have, I'm proud of my track record. I'm almost never been late on anything, you know, that I promised. So it's just a little personal commitment that I, I always just look forward and say, okay, these are the, this is the amount of time I need. Like for instance, this bar job I took this weekend, the, we woke up, Willie came upstate with me. Saturday morning, we got up, we had to go to Home Depot because the first few things I had to build, I had to get stain on them because stain had to dry for Monday afternoon. So I, I knew it's cold up there. It's, you know, the sun is hardly out. So I knew we had, we needed as much possible time to let that Minwax stain dry. And it, thankfully, I got it on early as possible because it was still somewhat sticky when we brought it to the place. And I said, hey, you wanted these cold stains. I said, this is, you know, this is because you didn't put the order in Wednesday. You put it in Friday. And uh, which is all good and well. But, uh, you know, just looking at the deadline and laying out your timelines, you just, the, the, all these things help keep you focused. And just, you know, knowing you have to, knowing you have a commitment that you have to adhere to, that, that helps me. Yeah, I mean, staying on task, I have to. Because I have these commitments and I have uh, these, I keep a task list of what I need to do. And if I don't do it, I have to rearrange something to fulfill my commitments. So deadlines always help with that. And my deadlines are usually, uh, I'm doing videos for Rockler or I have a, a sponsor who's looking to have a video on a certain date or whatever. So I just I just keep a, um, a task list, a, a checklist of things I need to do. It happens more and more now where like all of a sudden I finish a video that I'm like, then I count the days and I'm like, oh, wait, tomorrow I have to start working on my make video. <laughs> I keep thinking like I have an extra week off from there. I'm like, oh, oh, no, and now I got to start working on my core video. Then I got to, then I have this video from my channel, which is partially done, but my channel always takes third seat to the other two because those are the ones that have set deadlines. I can 
modify my own deadline. I mean, when I had a 50 hour a week job, I had to stay on task because it was my job. Right. And so this is my job. I have to stay on task. I, I have to keep focus. Mm-hmm. I don't have a choice to not to lose focus. See, the hard thing for the hard thing for me there in regards to that, though, is that <clears throat> back when I because. All right. Before I started doing this full time, I was working from home for someone else. But so I was still in this environment. But before that, I was in an office like most people are. And it was really easy for me to, in that setting, be like, I'm at the office. Now I'm focused on my work. I can shut out everything else. And then when I walk out those doors to go get in my car to go home, you know, that's when my focus changes. So then moving to working from home kind of had the same effect in that my office, my home office was separate from the rest of the house. So when I went through that door, that was programming time, right? And I could focus very hard on like, this is what I'm doing. Then I started, I like to make stuff. (laughs) It kind of messed up my focus for that job. But anyway, where I'm at now is it's, it's hard for me, even though this is, you know, my full-time job, like you said, and I have to stay focused on it. It's, it's wrapped up in everything else. And the time that I need to spend on this stuff and the time I need to spend with my kids and the time that I need to spend, you know, like the, in the shop and the out of the shop work time, both of those different things. I have trouble keeping each one of those to uh, giving each one of those, their own time to have their own focus. They, I end up like just bouncing from one to the other all the time. And I don't know if that actually hurts productivity, but it feels like it does where it feels like, you know, I'm doing a little bit of computer stuff, a little bit of editing, a little bit of, business stuff. And then I go get like 10 or 15 minutes of shop time. And then I have to go to Home Depot and then I have to go, you know, get the kids or, you know what I mean? And, uh, so I have a little bit of trouble staying focused, not on getting the job done, but on one single part of the job for very long. Yeah. You know what I mean? I could see that. Yeah. I've said it before. It's like, if you have all these different pieces, you know, to make a metaphor, you have all these objects that you need to move to the other side of the the property. You know, I just move each one a little bit at a time, you know, getting closer and closer to the deadline. So if I spend a couple hours editing, I usually never edit in the daytime, but once in a while I will just to make sure that that project has got a couple of hours under its belt. Then I go back and if I have a, you know, a cut list for a job I have to do, I at least do the cut list so that when I really have the time to focus on the assembly, I can, you know, assume that that other part is, is said and done. So, you know, I, that's how I mix tasks a lot. That also helps me stay on my schedule, which, you know, is, is another word for staying focused for me, staying on schedule. So I do that a lot. You know, I, I mix up the tasks and just break up the job through several different jobs. And then one thing that Andrew said was, now that you can do whatever you want to do, and it's still not necessarily whatever I want to do. <laughs> I still, you know, like I don't want to build five bars, but when the guy agrees to my price, I say, okay, I have to build five bars now because I can't say no to that, you know. And uh, so... It is definitely liberating to be your own boss, but there's still a constant mix of things you don't want to do mixed with the things that you really want to do that you get to do. I've been dealing with this lately. Anytime there are outside influences, like in your case, clients, or in my case, sponsors, who, who want to give you money. They're clients as well? Exactly, yeah. So when they want to give you money to do something, they have a certain amount of input. And that that's a place that you know it can get kind of choppy, like where you're... I really just want to make videos and I don't really care about your brand Opinion. and what you want, but I have to do something because you're paying me that puts food on my table. And, you know, yeah. there's just kind of weird tension there. Um, and I'm, I'm still kind of waiting through that because some sponsors, you know, I've dealt with have been fantastic and they're really easy. 
they don't try to be, you know, intrusive. Um, and some clients that are the same way, you know, design clients that we used to work with were the same way. They were great. Whatever you guys think, you're the professionals, you do what you need to do. And then some of them are like, no, you have to put my cat in the logo and the logo has to be the colors of my car <laughs> and, you know, stuff like that. So yeah, it's, I'm in a place right now where I'm trying to like, I'm, I'm navigating uh, sponsors and focus. So th- that <laughs> question from Andrew yeah. is kind of big for me, but. You guys got anything else on that one? We got a couple more. Oh, just, I wanted to bring up one point just, you know, cause I know a lot of guys are out there on their own starting stuff. I, I had the small dilemma of when I got called late last week, can you build these, these jobs? Can you build this job for this party? I thought to myself, I don't want to do that. I want to, I'm going to have the whole weekend of myself to work upstate. I could, you know, do the brakes on the truck, which is something I keep putting off. But then I thought about it for a minute. I'm like, this guy is, he's a good guy. I know him from New Orleans and if I say no to this, he's not going to think of me the next time. So I said, you know, all the, everything worked out. You know, the financial was, was good and the timing was good that I had the opportunity to build it and Willie could help me. So I said, yes. If I would have said no, the next time he has one of these situations, he'd be like, oh, let me call the guy that did it this time. I'll call the same guy that did it last time. And now, you know, thankfully, I'm the guy that did it this time. Next time he might have something with a bigger budget, more timeline. He's going to think of me again because I saved the day, you know, in quotes, I saved the day um, for him this past week. So sometimes you, you, that's, uh, that just enlightens the fact that sometimes there's things you don't want to do, but by being able to take on an opportunity, you're satisfying the need of that client. That's just money down the road and he'll think of you again, or she'll think of you again when the situation arises again. So. Um, so the other one is kind of related to that along the business end of it. It was from Amalgam uh, Matter on Twitter. What has gone or goes into starting and running your own business as the behind the scenes stuff? And I don't think we have to get like real super deep on this because it may not really apply to some people listening. Mm-hmm. But I know I have I have heard recently on Facebook like some different people who are starting their own business or they're turning their YouTube channel into a business or something and they're asking a lot of questions about like you know, do you need to have an LLC or do you need to have insurance or need, you know, all these different things. And obviously none of us are, are lawyers. You guys aren't lawyers, right? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. I have a, I have a pretty, pretty funny opinion about all this, but you guys can <laughs> talk and then I'll wrap it up. Well, so yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any like hard and fast rules about like how you do with what we do. I don't think there are any really hard rules, but the personally, the way I was going about it is you know, you could run all this stuff through your own individual, your personal uh, taxes and do it all that way. And I think it would work just fine. Um, there is like a small potential for liability if someone cuts their hand off and they said, oh, I saw Bob do it on his YouTube channel, you know. Um, and so I created an LLC. That was one of the reasons I created an LLC, just so I could have that. Because LLC, for people that don't know, Stands for <laughs> that was Jimmy's straw on his drink. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't even hear it. <laughs> um, sorry. So the LLC stands for Limited Liability Company, and the idea there, and I'm people are going to rail me on this because I'm sure I won't get it exactly right, but it it acts as a as a stopgap for liability between a company and a person to a degree. So if somebody sues your company, they can potentially take all the assets and the income of the company but it won't necessarily flow through to you personally behind the scenes. 
to a degree to a degree it's it's, it's complicated it's a yeah. little bit more complicated than that because if you are the sole person of that company technically that it is your personal thing it's weird like i had this talk with my lawyer it's 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 weird but you are right it does protect you but only to a degree to a degree yeah so limited. So, so there's yeah, exactly yeah. limited um so th- that's kind of the purpose of it and that's why i put one in place and so that down the road i could potentially turn it into a bigger company without you know you know if i wanted to like hire other people full-time or part-time or whatever i would already have the kind of infrastructure there to do that and i wouldn't have to figure all that out at the taint at the same time that I'm trying to hire people. So that was my mentality. Well, you have, well, if you do need help, typically, I mean, you could just 1099 somebody, which just basically means you're, you know, you hired them for help and then now you're letting them handle their taxes on their own. You, you yeah. take whatever and, you've paid them as, as your personal write off as if, you know, you bought something at the store, for instance, that is used in your business. So, and that's what I'm doing now for the people mm-hmm. that I, I'm working with little bits here and there. And anytime I have an illustrator or designer do work for me, that's the way it's all run through yep. 1099. But I was yep. kind of looking down the road if in case I, you know, expanded, I like to make stuff into other things and I needed more full-time help. And I don't know. My, my advice to people that, that want to start a business is just start your business. All this other stuff, you know, it's just, it sort of induces confusion and fear. And that just gets in the way of whatever the creative businesses you're starting. If you're starting a company making chairs, if you're starting a company making, you know, trinkets or whatever it is, just do that. And try not to worry too much about the business stuff. Because if your company takes off, if you're able to license your, your designs or your brand or anything... All this stuff will fall into place if you put good people around you to help you. If you have, you know, good web people, good lawyer friends and good accountant friends, uh, all this stuff will fall into place. So I see a lot of young people starting a business and they get so wrapped up in, you know, am I going to get sued? Do I need insurance? You know, I, I personally haven't had insurance. I've had it on and off, but I don't have it right now and I don't want it. And if people say to me, oh, you can't bring that object into my building without insurance. I say, okay, then I'll just won't work for you. They're like, no, but then what, how can we, what I need? I love what you do. I'm like, your building <laughs> says, I'm not going to get insurance just to deliver a product to you. And the way I've been able to solve some of that is I hire a moving company. I meet them in front of the building and they carry it into the building for me. And they're the uh-huh. ones that are insured. Once I'm in the apartment or the, the, the office, I just say, okay, put it there. And I try to make sure that, you know, whatever I have to do is very limited as far as assembly. And that's it. So I don't have to. And then the client pays for that moving. You know, there's a bill. We work in the Time Warner Center once in a very long while. Sort of a job, a reoccurring job that happens typically in January. And I've hired the moving a, a moving company that has $2 million worth of limited, whatever, liability insurance in case like we chip the floor inside the, the building. But I just meet them there at the loading dock and they carry whatever it is I have and they bring it inside for me. And I just follow them up in the elevator and I say, put it over there. And so that's a way where I don't have to lay out insurance and the client does because the client just hires this, you know, exclusive moving company that moves art. And, but don't get too wrapped up in insurance and all this other stuff. And, you know, you obviously got to keep your eye on the bottom line if you have mortgages and children to, to take care of and stuff. But, you know, these things will, will fall into place as your business grows. Just focus yeah. on the creativity. And if you have a good partnership, like, you know, like I, I have Taylor, she's amazing. She'll figure anything out. She goes, what do you need? I go, figure out this BS situation. She goes, and she'll come back with me with 10 answers. She happens to be really good at that. So, I mean, if you have a good partner in life that could help you with that, that that's also a really good asset. 
Yeah, I personally stay away from all the businessy type stuff. I have a lawyer mm-hmm. and I have a tax man. That's it, me too. The lawyer set up the business. Uh, you can do it on your own. I did not care to do it. To me, it was worth the money. Plus, I have uh, my friend is my lawyer, so I get I get a decent discount. Um, and and then I and then I have my tax guy, and I talk to those two people when when I need to. And as far as bookkeeping, I have online software where all my accounts are linked to it. So it's for the most part pretty hands off. Every transaction is digital through a credit card online. And it goes into the bookkeeping software. Every once in a while, I have to go in and I have to categorize different payments and different purchases. But it's, that's I, all I do. I still like writing checks. Everyone's like, "What's wrong with you?" I go, <laughs> "I like the I like the the uh, the tradition of sitting down. I, I put on news radio and I, I get a fresh cup of coffee and I sit down and I write my checks out. And I have like an inkwell and I have a feather pen that I write my checks. <laughs> that last part was a joke." <laughs> I had somebody do a motion, some motion graphic work for me, and they sent me a bill. And I was like, okay, I don't have check. I have a checking account, but I don't have checks. And I was like, do you take PayPal or any kind of digital payment? And he's like, no. So I had to go to the bank and get a counter check just <laughs> to pay this guy. It was- yeah, it's funny. I'm making my, I'm making my, uh, my ice picks through uh, an old toy business friend of mine. He's making, well, we're not in production yet, but he's, he's handling my Hong Kong made ice picks and he uh, he says, "Oh, I need five hundred dollars for a piece of tooling." I'm like, "All right." I, I go, "I can PayPal it to you right now." What's your address? He's like, "Oh, I don't take PayPal." I'm like, "Well, how do you want me to pay you?" He's like, uh, um, "You get a wire transfer." I go, "Wire transfer? They still do that?" <laughs> I go, "Can we break this Venmo? There's all these other things." He, he's like, "No, we got a wire transfer." So I went to the bank, and the bank's like, "Well, since it's your very first wire transfer, it's free. But after that, it's so many dollars." I ended up wire transferring him $500 and the bank charged me $50, which was supposedly what? my, my free version of trans. Cause I basically, I think, I think they just don't want anybody to do it anymore. So hmm. that was like, that was his way of saying, we'll do it, but we don't want to do it. So I ended up sending him $500 and the bank took $50. So $550. And I was like, dude, I could have just sent this to you in two seconds. If you just open a PayPal account for your business. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, you were talking about the <clears throat> online software for uh, banking stuff. I use Quicken, or, uh, sorry, QuickBooks. <clears throat> and that, kind of like you're saying, it just keeps all the multiple accounts in one place, keeps a transaction log. I can send invoices to clients from there. I can see when they've viewed the the invoice, even if they haven't paid it. So, you know, stuff like that. So. A piece of software like that can be really handy to kind of help you keep all that stuff in one place. You know, I, I bought all that, and then this is how long ago I bought I bought QuickBooks. I went to the Mac store, I bought it all because my accountant said, get it. This is years ago when it first came out. And my bank wasn't online yet. My bank's like, oh, we don't hook up to that program yet. It was, it was Washington Mutual. So that put like a kink in my plans, and I just haven't gotten back to it. Maybe this year is the year I start doing that again. So one of the cool things about that is that, you know, you can link up your bank accounts to it digitally like that. But also my accountant, who I've used for multiple businesses over the years, for a lot of years, they you can give your accountant access to your QuickBooks file and mm-hmm. directly from the web interface. And so at tax time, like I don't have to do anything. They have everything they need. You know, yeah, I got to do that this year. Access. So there are a few things like that that can make it a lot easier when it comes to those times of the year. Another thing 
uh, you were talking about having your own lawyer. I don't have my own personal lawyer, but I have set up a couple of businesses over the years through LegalZoom, and that has seemed that's worked out really well for me because they do a lot of the, you know, like they do all the paperwork for setting everything up, and it's a fixed rate, or and it gives you the the state and the county filings and does all the stuff, so you don't have to research like, did I get this form right? Did I get that form right? But you're not paying what I assume you would pay if you went to a, a specific single lawyer or a single firm and said, you know, do the same work for me. Because they kind of give you a discount because they have a mass of lawyer type people to do work. You know, So I think you get a discount on rate on that stuff that way. So for anybody setting them up, those, those are the things that I use if that's helpful. And you can do it all manually all yourself and save yourself a lot of money. Oh yeah. If you enjoy that stuff, but. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, me personally, it totally takes my head out of, like, wanting to make stuff. Yeah. And I just get frustrated because it's not it's not anything that I'm really good at. It's not something I'm confident with. The minute I'm not confident with something, I just stay away from it. Even when it's in, like, even if it's a job I have to do. I talked about this a couple weeks ago. If I don't have a solution that I'm confident about, that thing just sits there and just waits <laughs> until until I get that confidence level in the concept. Well, and I mean, all of us like to learn how to do things, right? But for me... Learning how to learning tax law and learning how to do all that stuff is not where I want to spend my time. <laughs> so <laughs> no all of those things I want to learn more making stuff. Exactly, yeah. all of those things that you do on your own are time. That's all time that you're not doing your job, doing the thing that you wanted to do. So you just have to decide yeah. where that line is for each. I think I said I, I, I'm going to say one thing. I just the, just to reiterate my my point is like fear is the biggest factor a lot of people have. Um, okay, fear of not making money is totally legitimate, but fear of all these legal stuff is totally just gets in the way. There's no reason to be afraid of any of this stuff, not having insurance. You know, all these things could be worked out one way or another. Um, you know, if you, you can buy a momentary, if you do have to install in someone's home and they want insurance, you can buy like a two day insurance policy. You don't have to buy, you know, a year's worth of insurance. There are situations where you can, I mean, it's probably not as easy to buy a whole, you know, a couple of weeks. You know, you could buy event insurance and stuff like that. Well, you know what? If you're not into taking chances, maybe starting your own business isn't for you. Because mm-hmm. I, I mean, and, and I'm not—I don't mean that as as a diss. Like some people just are not made for that, and you know, prefer to work for somebody else. Yeah. Uh, but you're not going to get anywhere unless you take chances. Like mm-hmm. I had to—I had to take a chance on myself on this. I'm making this work, and mm-hmm. you'll find once you throw yourself in the fire, you'll do just fine. Yeah, you'll, like you'll figure things out. Absolutely. I, I said, if I had a conversation either here or online, I forget with whom they said, uh, you know, can entrepreneurs be made? And I said, you know, maybe, but I think, you know, that, that entrepreneurial spirit is born within somebody, you know, the ability to not be fearful of going broke or, you know, losing your car to payments. You know, some people go through life oblivious. Like I have friends that have lost cars over and over and they're like, eh, I'll just go get another car. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, if I lost a car, it'd be like the biggest like scarlet letter on my chest. I'd be so embarrassed. But, you know, but I also don't have fear of that happening. If it does happen, you know, you just pick up the pieces and move on, you know, whether it's, you know, rent on a, on a retail shop or something, you know, I've gone in and out of those situations before and it's just business. If you fail, you just start over again, you know, so not having that fear is, is definitely something that, you know, an entrepreneurial spirit is, is sort of born with. It's, uh, you know, and I remember in the beginning how fearful I was, my brother had that, like, you know, fear had complete. My brother was completely fearless. He still is my older brother, Joey. And I, I learned most of my fearlessness from him. 
you know, when early on, I was like, I was always so nervous. I made sure I had everything. My books were always kept perfect, you know, when we first started our business together. But he was like running and gunning. And I, now I learned to do that from him. And I'm more comfortable running and gunning than I am being all uptight. Success is the sum of their failures. Mm-hmm. That's right. Good call. All right. Let's look at the next one. It's the last one, maybe. <laughs> this is fun. All right. From Ryan, who I think we're going to meet in uh, New York next week. We What's go. up, Ryan? Ryan, hmm? yeah. Um, if you won the lottery tomorrow and money was no longer an issue, how would you change your approach to making? Be honest. Me? Well, no, I mean, no, he said be honest, not that wasn't to no. you. No, no, I saw the question earlier, but I'm saying if it was me, I, I would probably start making more abstract sculpture and things that really didn't make much practical sense. I really, I have a lot, like, I have a great fondness for artists that do big abstract steel stuff like Richard Serra and a couple of guys like do these tremendous sculptures that i mean you know for for all intents and purposes aren't you know aren't practical but they're just art and i probably would kind of gravitate towards that lifestyle of just making art that isn't practical or isn't useful but knowing me and my mechanical mind it would have to have some sort of practical aesthetic that looks like it does something or maybe it you know maybe i make this giant you know you start up an engine and it makes a paper clip you know some kind of like funny like byproduct so I would probably start doing more like crazy sculptures that kind of like, you know, uh, like a, I can't remember those guys that go to Burning Man every year. Those like big Burning Man robots, stuff like that. I would love if to I see you no, make one yeah. of those. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would, first thing I'd like buy an airport hangar somewhere. So I had a lot of room. Yeah. I'd put all my collections in that room and then I'd start making stuff that nobody needed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm too far off from that. I I know for sure I'd still make stuff. That's part of me. That's who I am now. I'm I would make videos cuz that's part of me. That's who I am now. I think I my videos would maybe be a little bit more epic to me because I would I would then I would probably write music for every single video. I would probably <laughs> do a little bit more artsy type pieces, maybe non-practical pieces like Jimmy. And each each project would be this big just this this big piece. What well, there's the, the 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 project part and then the video. And uh I don't know. I think I would just spend a lot more time on stuff like that. And of course, you know, all the normal stuff, you know, there wouldn't be ads anymore. Um I probably I would just stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I mean the no ad thing is pretty big. Like No, but but you can get like free shaving cream. <laughs> I mean, just thinking just down that path, like if, if money was not an object, I would have no reason to talk to, entertain, <laughs> collaborate with, and it's sponsors. That's where I was going to. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have to worry about sponsors in any way, which would not change probably what I do, but it would be one less consideration in my mind as to like how I make videos and where I put things and where my time is spent. And I think that would be really freeing. I would also probably just be a little less concerned with, you know, like the final outcome. Like, I think I would experiment more because like the future of my life 
wouldn't be as dependent on what I'm doing this very moment as it is now. You know what I mean? Obviously, I would buy a bigger space so I had some more room. Oh, and, yeah. Um, and I think I, I would immediately jump to hiring a crew, a film crew. That were like not a small crew, but you know, a camera operator, a sound person, getting a couple of designers and editors on full time, and I think the production value of my videos would just go through the roof overnight. Jimmy, would you do the same? Absolutely, I would just you know make crazy stuff and as and, far as the crew. Uh oh, um, you saying would I enlist a crew to make? Yeah, you know? w- w- would you would you want to hire a? film editor, videographer, and honestly, if I was a millionaire, I wouldn't talk to anybody, but Taylor, I probably wouldn't talk to one other person. Everybody else would have to talk to me through uh, email. Wow. Thanks. (laughs) 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 No more podcasts. (laughs) Nice knowing you, Jimmy. I would have to type it in. You'd have to read it. You'd have to read it. I would sound like the guy, the the astrologer guy that sits in a wheelchair. What's his name? Stephen Hawking? Yeah. Yeah, I would basically talk to everybody like Stephen Hawking. I would never leave the workshop, and only Taylor could bring me food through a slot in the door. And that would be it. Yeah. You'd get all, so, like, Howard Hughes. Oh, You'd- totally. I would I would grow my fingernails out, and I would never shave my beard. <laughs> Amazing. Huh. Yeah. That went somewhere I, so- I didn't expect. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I actually, I really would go kind of Howard Hughes-y. I, I probably, you know... Wouldn't be that that is OCD as him, but as far as like epic, like epic, like making things, and I would love, I would love that that style of making things like on an epic scale. I'd get a giant, cool old mansion, and like, and if it was dilapidated, I would leave it exactly like that because I like that style. There was this crazy mansion in Brooklyn; it was insane. I I, I had dreams of buying it, and it, it was ten years ago they wanted two million dollars for it, and. It was completely dilapidated, and I had like visions of me living in that mansion and leaving it exactly the same, and letting the grass grow all over the iron gate, and just letting it go crazy, and be the crazy old man that like opens the door to get the mail and slam it quick. (laughs) (laughs) Old man, (laughs) Daresta. But making cool stuff. Did you guys see that video that this guy sent out the other day on on Instagram? Uh, What is he making in there? There's an old MTV video called "What is he making in there?" Did you guys see that? Somebody, somebody, uh, somebody tweeted it to us. And uh, maybe it was just me and, and David Welder, but um, I can't remember. Just Google, what is he making in there? <laughs> it's, it was an old short film from MTV. It had the MTV monogram on it. And I remember it when it was out, like 20 years ago. It's just, it's just like a poem of a guy talking about what's going on. It's like when MTV was more artsy and mm. it didn't necessarily have to make sense. And, it, <laughs> and it's, just like, it's a neighbor thinking to himself about what, his guy, what this guy's making in his garage. And he just keeps going, what is he making in there? So I would live that lifestyle of the guy who's making in there. Hmm. Yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely make videos, but I, I would not enlist a crew. I, I mean, I've been on TV crews, and there's just too many idiots standing around that do not know what they're talking about. Sorry well, but, if you're but all see, my the friends and you're listening. The difference there, though, would be you could be in charge. I mean, for me, I would be in charge of handpicking the handful of people that were there to work with. They would know, be that's the people a, that I want to be working with. That's a very, that's a very good point, and yeah, and that's a well taken point. And you know, absolutely. I mean, I love working with Dave. Dave. Dave and I have a shorthand, and we work together so well. So I mean, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't excommunicate someone like Dave. And you know, there are a few other people that I respect. Oh, he gets to hang around, but we don't. Nice, nice. Oh, well, man. you guys can hang out. <laughs> okay, sweet. Well. I would fly. I would fly you in. You know. Oh you, yeah. You, okay. So you guys have nothing to worry about. I, you guys can bring your families and pets and everything. And your super Howard Hughes jet plane. Yep. 
thing. But you'd have to fix up your own bedroom. It's probably all <laughs> wallpapers peeling off and stuff. <laughs> Bring your own sheets. <laughs> if I was making more money at doing this, but I still depended on me doing this to make a living, I would love to hire a crew. If I was completely independent and money was not an object anymore, I would want to do it myself because that piece would be the video would be part of the art piece. And I would want it's it's just me being very controlling. I would want to have control over everything. And I want to be able to say I did all of that and mm-hmm. nobody else touched mm-hmm. it. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't tainted by somebody else's fingerprints. That's interesting yeah. because I would I would look at that whole that exact same situation in a very different manner. I would want to have a crew of people, of handpicked people, so that I could be in full control of it. Because right now, you know, like if I want to shoot a particular thing, I'm limited as to like, well, what's the best place for me to set the camera and then do the cut or do the thing? Um, And so I feel like if I had someone else that I could direct and say like, okay, I'm going to do this and I want you to move the camera in this way around, you know, like I would look at it from that perspective as, but I, I understand what you mean. Hmm. Interesting. Well, it's a good thing none of us have won the lottery. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we all know that this podcast wouldn't exist anymore yeah, if true. one of us wins the lottery, huh? Yep. No, no, no. You know what? I would sponsor it, and you guys could come and live with me while we do it. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. No, cool. I mean, I'm being. I'm obviously being a little bit uh, uh, exaggerating, but no, I would definitely live a, a much more eccentric life if I had the money. And you know, in, a, in an artful way, not in a not in an antisocial way. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think honestly, if I had, you know, if money wasn't an option, I would move to a place like yours upstate, Jimmy. I would get a farm, let my kids run wild on the farm, and like literally let them enjoy growing up, you know, on yeah. the farm and in the woods. And I would love to have the space to let them have the space, and that would be pretty amazing. A lot but, of farm country down there in Georgia. Hmm. Yeah, it's not the same. <laughs> I mean, I grew up in Kentucky, so that's when I think of like farm country. Yeah. I think of those rolling yeah. hills and the just totally, ton, totally. tons of grass and yeah, um, yeah, that would be pretty amazing. But you know, that's uh, I don't know. It's weird that something like that seems at, you know the grass is always greener. It seems like that would be amazing, but then I know people in Kentucky, friends and family that live in that environment, and they're like, "Oh man, I wish I had a bigger." You know, I wish there was more to do here, or I wish there was, I was closer to a big city or something. So I guess it's just a matter of... Yeah, here in Toledo, we hear a lot about uh, there's not much to do here, or they don't like the city. And those people, I think they're going to have that same problem no matter where they are. It's like, if you think there's nothing to do, it's because you are not doing stuff. Yeah, right? absolutely. <laughs> There's not yeah. enough time in the day to do the things I need to do. Yeah, that's the, I mean, yeah, the the thought of somebody actually saying that they're bored, like they have nothing to do, that blows my mind. Every moment is full for me. Well, um, I don't think we should take on a whole nother question. So let's talk about what we're watching. What do you guys? So I watched this documentary the other day called Art and Copy. It is a PBS movie. Uh, I'm sure you can watch it on PBS's website. It is also on Netflix, and it's awesome. I come from the advertising world, and that's what this is about. So you, it really shows you the importance of advertisements and a good message and what a good advertisement is. 
and advertising changes your perception on everything even you know if if you're the type of person that just hates all advertisements you your your world would be completely different if there were no advertisements and not necessarily for worse or better this is just a good documentary just watch it um last week you were talking about a book that you just started reading yes and you said you were might tell us more if you have gotten further in it have you read more of it I have not read enough to give. Uh, it's really awesome. It it uh, it is called um, "Steal Like an Artist," and I haven't gotten, I haven't finished it yet. It's a really short book, so I promise I have it finished by next week, and I will give you my full recommendation. Cool. Then I've heard a lot about that book. I'd I'd love to get a good you know review of it, hear if it's worthwhile. So, um, what am I what am I listening to, watching? Uh, I got an email this week, actually. I'll be honest, it was today. I got an email today through my YouTube account. Someone said, here, the Russian Jimmy Daresta. And I clicked on the link, and it's a guy whose name is uh, Engineer Burns. Engineer Burns. Um, I'm probably saying it wrong. I I sent you the link, Bob. I don't know if, because he's Russian. Everything is written in Russia. Uh, Everything's written in Russian, rather. And he's an extremely talented, extremely talented engineer and uh, machinist. He does mostly machining stuff. And I'm I'm not nearly the machinist that this gentleman is. He does all kinds of uh, the few videos I've watched. He's modified a toy for Halloween, and and I remember seeing a video that went a little viral of him last year. He made a cube inside of a cube inside of a cube inside of a cube on the lathe. So it's pretty incredible uh, what he did. And I remember seeing that video. So when this person linked me to it today, I immediately recognized that it was that video I saw last year. But he kind of he kind of boosted my branding a little bit and a little bit of my style, but I totally don't mind. I take it as a complete compliment. And um, maybe I boosted his. I don't know. I think he came after me. I assume it did. And we texted a little bit today through the comments, and, and it was all very complimentary. So take a look at his stuff. It's pretty incredible. Yep. Um, so I actually have two. Uh, one is a YouTube channel and one's a podcast. So the, the YouTube channel is Mike and Lauren. You guys ever seen Mike and Lauren? Mm-hmm. Yep. So they are a couple, and they have a really interesting channel. It's like a mixture of uh, financial stuff, like how to retire early and how to you know get out of debt and things like that, which is something I've been through, and so I've I've learned a lot of the same stuff that they've uh, that they talk about. So it's interesting to see somebody actually like you know, teaching that stuff in a, in a accessible way. So there's that, but then also they do home things and how to projects. And all that, and then recently they've they're going to have a baby, so that's changing the way that their channel is going to go because it's going to have some more parenting stuff in it. And then they also just announced that they're <laughs> like selling their house and buying an RV, and they're going to drive all over the country and go to people and help them do DIY projects. And that's what their channel is going to become. So, and that's later on in the year, I think. But, um. So anyway, I just want to give them a shout out because they're doing some interesting stuff and it sounds like they're, you know, willing to, like we were talking about taking chances. I mean, that's a pretty big risk, you know, to take a brand new baby and live in an RV and go around and help people make stuff. So good on them. And I hope they come through Savannah because I want to teach the baby how to edit. (laughs) There you go. So that, that's the YouTube thing. And the podcast is some buddies of ours that I just want to shout out to. Uh, Phil Pinsky, mm-hmm. William Lutz, we've talked about, and Tim Sway. Oh, yeah, have a that's new, good. have a new podcast called Reclaimed Audio. And I have to be honest, I haven't listened to it yet because I haven't I been running. I listened to it. It's good. 
I haven't been running, so that's when I listen to my podcast. But it's queued up for me to listen to next, and I've heard nothing good, but good things about it. So, yep. everybody should it's go good. check them out. Um, it's fun. Tim Tim is is uh, refreshingly honest as as he always is in all his comments and stuff. And apparently, I don't I don't show Tim enough on the uh, on the weekly show because I get emails all the time like, "Don't you know about Tim Sway? <laughs> I know about Tim Sway. Yeah, well. I featured him before." Yeah. So yeah, yep. he's got some good stuff and some really cool videos with his son Vance. Yes, um, I really enjoy those videos. So anyway, yeah, go check out that podcast and that channel. Awesome. So um, before we go, gotta thank our Patreon people: uh, Nicholas Gomez, Luis Gonzalez, Chris Cop, and Jeremy White, along with everybody else from Patreon. What's up, guys? Hey, you guys are awesome. Yeah, thank you all very much. And we really appreciate it because, like we've said before, uh, you know, the Patreon support is is what supports this show and what's help what helps us do this. So, um, every little bit there is is really appreciated, and we're really grateful. If you want to help out, you can go to patreoncom it. That's one way to do it. Or you can leave us a review, a rating. You can share the show with somebody you know. You can tweet about it. You can spray paint it on your car <laughs> there's some work that goes into the podcast every week right we all take time out of our out of our shops to do this and then there's there's editing and then um and then posting it up online you got to write the blog post and you got to get all, all the things together and, and put together some yeah show notes and, and graphics and stuff and uh, so it really it really does help it really mm-hmm. makes it worth our time even without it it would be worth our time but it really makes this even more fun than mm. what it is. And and mm. seeing honestly seeing that Patreon support and just people, you know, engaging and stuff is motivating to continue to do it. I mean it kind of gives us fuel to Absolutely. Keep trying to come up with stuff to blab about for an hour. Yes. yes. <laughs> and I just wanna just especially thank uh, Luis Gonzalez uh because he is constantly brainstorming with me through the text message and he's got some really good ideas. So thanks brother. He's like my uh, he's like my uh, my angel on my shoulder, giving me good ideas. So yeah. thank you, <laughs> good dude, good dude. Well, uh, that'll probably do it for us this week. Um, if you are listening to this on Friday, then the next day we are going to be at Maker Fair in Rochester, New York. Mm-hmm. Three of us mm-hmm. on stage, and David Welder. We're all going to yep. be talking about. I don't know what we're going to be talking about, but we're going to be talking about something. So yep. let's talk about me. Let's talk about That's David. It. Right. The day's going to go so quick, so we really got to schedule time, David, just for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been to these. I mean, we've all been to them, and we've been to California together. The day goes so quick, and there's, you know, hopefully there'll be a lot of people to talk to and hang out with. And, uh, you know, it's like a whirlwind. All of a sudden, it's like, you know, the, the whole day has gone by, and I've been meaning to go to the bathroom since like 10 in the morning, and I still <laughs> yeah. haven't gotten there. You know, it's like one of those days, you know, and it's like 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, this yeah. would be my third Maker Fair this year. They should put me on their payroll. <laughs> yeah. Coming. Yeah, so we'll, we're doing that. We're doing a talk in the afternoon at some point. I don't really know when. But then I think even that evening after the fair, we're going to try to go to dinner somewhere. So anybody that's going to the fair and you're going to be around, you know, we're going to be there for the night hanging out. So stick around. Yep. Hang out with us. Uh, that'll do it for us this week. See you guys at Maker Fair. We'll, we'll see you next week. Cool. Bye, guys. Thank you.